You are listening to the Bridge Community Church Podcast out of Warrington, Virginia. Our church exists to connect you to God, others, and the marketplace. For more information, you can visit us online at bridge4life.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you are blessed by today's message. Today we're continuing on with a series called New Horizons for 2023 and uh, began this on January 1 and we're working through some things but I want to address something. Uh, Usually this is when I say, hey, let's stand for the reading of the word. I'm going to ask you to hold on a minute, just a second. But this is, uh, I just want to highlight about the prayer and fasting. You should have gotten a prayer outline and a card when you came in. And one of the things that we're doing is I'm providing that for this particular reason. It helps us to be cohesive in how we're praying. This is based on Isaiah 58, where God was showing what true fasting was and what to pray for. And so what you'll see on that card is this. I give a scripture and then how to praise him. Because how many know we need to praise him as much as we ask him? So it has an element of how to praise him and then how to ask him. And what we're doing is, is we're, we're, we're basing that on scripture. So we're actually praying the Bible. That's how we can be confident God will answer. Because he said heaven and earth will pass away before anything in his word does. So if I pray the word, I'm safe. I know there's going to be an answer. I may not know how it's going to happen, but I know it's on the way. So it's one of those ways. And so on a private level, let me encourage you, make it a goal to do at least 30 seconds on the prayers, on the praise segment, and then 30 seconds of asking God, whatever that is. And you'll see there's a number of them, but that's one of the ways you, I call it, grow your spiritual muscle. The first thing you do when you decide to go running, remember you did that on January 1 and then January 2nd, you were in pain. Okay, they always tell you, before you run, start walking, (laughs) right? And so this is kind of one of those things to help you get walking and so that you can begin to run with it. So let me encourage you to answer these questions. What day of the week from January 16th to the 5th will I commit to fast? What are my obstacles? So you got to think this out. Fasting is never convenient, Don't say, well, I wonder where I can fit it in. No, it's where are you going to put it and adjust everything else? What are the two or three ways other devotional expressions I can utilize? If you weren't here last week, I talked on a variety of ways to do devotions. And so listen to that. And then this, what last one, by fasting, I'm believing God for new dimensions of his activity in what arenas of my life. So what what do you need God to do? Don't be afraid to ask that. And so uh, I want to encourage you, make, if you've never done it, make this your first attempt. If you said, well, I've tried it and I didn't succeed, then get up and try again. Listen, when our children are learning to walk and they fall, we don't go, oh, well, I guess that's never going to (laughs) work. Right? What do we do? We keep trying. We, We celebrate the little successes that they have, okay? And we just keep cheering on. So listen to me. This is not designed to incur or discourage you. It's designed to encourage you. And everybody said amen. amen. So for the reading of the word, would you stand today? We're going to read from the book of Ecclesiastes. You don't hear too many messages preached on the book of Ecclesiastes because Solomon is writing on a lot of uh, what I call the dark reflections of life. So if you're depressed today, don't read the book of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> 
Okay, but he does provide some insights on community and our work and, and, and some things. So we're looking at this element of community today. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 7 through 12. Let's read together. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Let's just pause. Is everybody excited now? <laughs> Hang on, there's more good stuff. Okay, here we go. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray that the word as it is taught today does more than fill our minds with information. I pray it touches our hearts, touches our motives, our values. And God begins to influence the expressions that we have in this life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 The Lord bless you. Be seated. So we're looking at these new horizons, and I'm staying with it for the entire month. Why? Because getting new habits into our life or new expressions is just not one defining moment. It's a persistent pursuit. So you, you, make, you make those initiatives, and even if you stumble, you fall, you get back up, you keep going at it. You keep pursuing those new ways and those new, new expressions that you're looking for. So I'm going to ask everybody to read. This is, our, this is our vision statement. I'm going to ask everybody to read it out loud with me. To connect people to God, one another, and the marketplace. We share that today. I know many of you are regular tenders. You know this. You're probably going to hear some things you've heard before. But let me just say this. Let me just say it this way. It's important that sometimes we remind ourselves of, of what our core value is and why we do what we do here at the bridge. People sometimes uh, who are a part of the bridge will say, man, these, you know, these connection groups, we do the parades and, you know, why do we do it? I mean, everybody knows about it. I said, yeah, everybody knows it except for the new people. There's some things you do for the new people so that they can know what's going on and we want them to know why we do And so the second reason I preach this all over again on the vision statement is so that people who are new understand why they see the expressions that they see and why we emphasize what we emphasize and why we, we, we invest in the arenas that we do. And so this is key. So when you hear that, you hear three things. But the vision distinctly identifies God, one another, and the marketplace. And it's easy in your mind just to see those as three arenas. You know, how am I doing here? And how am I doing there? And how am I doing here? And that's fine. But what you need to recognize is this. They all interact with each other. So I put together this diagram. This is how most people, when they read the vision statement of, of connecting to God, one another, and the marketplace, this is how they see it. And they, they see them as three distinct arenas. But let me tell you this, it's more like this. They all influence each other. They all, have an, uh, they all provide an energy to one another. And what we're trying to do is this. We're trying to put you in that spot. To where that your walk with God, your walk with other people, and your expression on, on the, in the marketplace all feed off of each other. 
and let me, let me just say this. There's margin for error in this. If you, don't see, if you don't recognize it, you can move so much into the God realm and you need to understand that just because you're a follower of Christ doesn't mean you have good people skills. How is that for a diplomatic way of saying that? Yeah, just because Jesus came in your heart doesn't mean that you're easy to get along with. Don't look at them like that. <laughs> so, he's talking to you. And the other part is this. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can get wrapped up in what other people think of us. We are so heavily invested in connections with other people that we forget that God wants to be connected to us as well. And that's where you start playing to the crowd if you're not careful. You become the chameleon. You're whatever the room is because you just want to connect with people. And then obviously the connection to the marketplace. For most of us, this is where we make our daily impact. This is where we spend a lot of our waking hours doing what we do. If we're going to make a difference in society, that's where it's going to happen. It's going to be how I see my job, the quality, the integrity, and all the things associated, my value system, and how I do what I do. So I hope for, through this process that some of you have your view of your job redeemed and see it as an expression of God's work through you rather than this is what I have to do in order to get to retirement. Okay, I can tell that went well. So let me, let me say this. What would you do if I said that we were going to have one of the, the premier, most wise people historically, history, is going to be speaking today on relationships? And it was a proven fact that this person was the most intelligent human being that has ever lived. It wasn't an opinion that was being forced on you. You knew that this person was the most brilliant person who had ever lived. Well, what I want you to recognize is this. That's what we have when we read the book of Ecclesiastes because that was written by Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. And what he's doing is, is he's observing life. And you, re, you know the story a little bit about Solomon. He was the wisest man in the world, but he didn't, wasn't necessarily the smartest in how he did it. If you haven't realized by now, you can be smart and stupid at the same time. <laughs> Solomon made a lot of stupid choices, even though he was the smartest and wisest man who ever lived. And so what we see is a little, I, I, you probably can identify with that to some degree. Just because you know something doesn't mean you do. How many have ever done something you knew you shouldn't do, you did it anyway, and the conversation by yourself went like, what were you thinking? Why, how many have ever, yeah. How many have, has anybody had something come out of your mouth and as you were doing it, you were telling yourself, shut up, shut up, shut up, stop. And for some reason, it was just like, it was like, it was like a, a rubber band. It just wouldn't stop. And you went, I can't believe, and you can't believe you said it. You can't believe you said it the way you did. You just, you're just, oh, why did I do that? See, even though you're smart, doesn't exempt you from making stupid decisions and choices and saying things. And, and, and so we have this in the book of Ecclesiastes. That's why I say it can be somewhat of a dark book if you read it, because Solomon has basically said this, man, I, just went, I had the resources, the time, the money, and everything to go out and do life to what everybody deemed to call the max. I did it, and guess what? It was lousy. 
And then he boils it down toward the end. But one of the things that I want you to recognize is he is, this is an observation of Solomon. He has watched this. So you can tell by his descriptions. And I'm going to go through it very quickly, uh, point by point, but I want to read it again to you so that you pick up some of the dynamics. This is Solomon. He has watched somebody. And this is what he's noticed. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. He said, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Do you see that he was wealthy? For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. The guy has hit the stride of making it in business, and he's miserable. Then he goes on to say, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Then he gives examples. Now, what I want you to recognize is as I read this, and I'm going to go in detail more on these verses, but I want you to see this. He's actually describing people's journey. See, in those days, you either had a, a, a domesticated animal that you could ride or you had to walk, okay? And venturing and traveling had its risk because, you know, you didn't have ways, To tell you that there's been a wreck or that there was a speed trap. Some of you, ways, ways, what is that? I need that right now. Talk to anybody under 40, including me. Some of you are really slow this morning or gullible. <laughs> so he's describing what happens on a journey and how better off a person is on a journey by having a partner on the journey rather than doing the journey by themselves. So these next three verses show that, okay? Does that change your mindset now how you're reading it? Okay. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. If you didn't know by then, people could blow out a knee back then the way they do today. People could twist ankles. People could pull muscles. And you can just imagine you're out in the middle of nowhere and you have a physical injury. Now what do you do? Yeah, you're literally, I mean, you're in a life-threatening situation. And you may not be able to make the travel at the pace that you needed to make based on the resources that you had. So suddenly, you know, it was always a good idea. Travel with a buddy because that, that does happen. People get hurt hiking to the next destination. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? They didn't have a weather app to tell them there was going to be a deep freeze tonight. You know how you, know how you discovered it was going to be cold tonight? It just happens. You go to sleep and then you realize, I think I'm a little colder than I typically normally am right now. Well, guess what? It, you're there. And so one of the things that they would do is huddle together. And there, we know this today, that people's lives have been saved when they were exposed to cold elements beyond what they were expecting. We know of stories of where people huddled together to share the body heat in order to survive a very cold uh, endeavor or journey or night. And they lived to talk about it merely by getting close together so that they could share the body heat, save their lives. 
And then it goes on to say, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Again, there was no app to say, hey, just want to let you know there's a bunch of thugs around the corner. It just happened. And so you were, again, a lot easier to defend yourself if you had a partner as opposed to trying to defend yourself by yourself. And so what he's showing here, Solomon was showing the power of community. That life was never meant to be fulfilling and enjoy just doing a solo act. And we're going to break this down a little more on these verses, so we're going to backtrack. So now that I've got your mind where, uh, in, in, the, in the framework of what Solomon was talking about, let's look at what he was communicating. Number one, everybody read this with me. God created to us to find meaning and joy with other people. It's not that we can't find joy by ourselves, there is just another dimension of joy and being. He says, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content, look, with his wealth. He's gotten what everybody's striving to get. For who am I toiling, he asked, and why do am I depriving myself of enjoyment? He said, this is too meaningless, this, is too, this too is meaningless, a miserable business. Life was meant for us to enjoy with other people. Now, we sometimes, now I just say this, in Christianity, we've had this element of what I call entrapment, and it's this. Somebody will say to me, well, when I meet people on the street, I don't always say, well, I'm Pastor Greg, lead pastor of the Bridge Community Church, because I always watch their behavior at that moment morph. So I just say, hey, my name is, is Greg Hackett. Now, when it comes appropriate, I talk. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm just trying to have a, an authentic connection with somebody. So say they, at some point they discover who I am or they become aware. And they go, oh, so you're in the soul-saving business. <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to say I understand where that's coming from. I know what they're saying. But, boy, there's a lot more to that when you say it. That, that sounds so vague and... Let me, let me just say this. Yes, I'm, I'm wanting people to get saved. Genuinely, absolutely. But the other element that I'm trying to help them see is this. Your life is going to be a lot more fun, pleasurable, beneficiary to you and to other people if you're a part of community. Too many people are trying to do Christianity as a solo act. I can tell you, they don't do well. They won't tell you that. But I know as a pastor, they don't do well. Because this was never, listen, Jesus was the son of God. He was perfect. If there's anybody who could say, I don't need anyone, it was Jesus. And he went out and he chose 12 disciples. Right? Okay, so I don't think anybody in the room is going to say you're as perfect and gifted as Jesus. If Jesus did life with 12 other people, that probably might be a good template for you. And so God uses other people for us so that we can find more meaning and more joy. I can give you a, a practical example of this. During COVID, you know, there was a season we couldn't meet. So we provided all the services online. Can I just tell you, it is very hard to preach with nobody here. We did that. I mean, you know, we recorded the services and we post them online. And I'm just telling you, it's hard to preach excited. It's, it's, it's lousy to tell a joke. 
We didn't even have, what is it, that laughing machine or nothing, man. I mean, you just tell a joke. It's just flat. You just say, I just trust God it connected online. And the worship team the same way. I mean, you know, man, they were, they were playing off each other. You know, they had some, but man, they did a magnificent job just trying to be in. It was just, so then we started inviting people, you know, if you, we just said, hey, would you like to be a studio audience? You know, you, you can have your own row, you know, we'll, we'll give you your whole section. And it was just nice to have 10 or 15 people sitting out just so that you had somebody to look at as you were preaching or somebody to, to look at as you were leading worship. It was just nice. And let me just tell you, it, it, I preach better with you here. It, it's more enjoyable. It's, it's, there's more connectivity. And I just say that life is hard when you try to do it by yourself. There's a joy. There's a connection. There is a meaning that you can't get until you're connected to other people. You need them. And everybody said amen. amen. Number two, read this out loud. God created us to be more productive in community with others. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. There is a level of productivity that you can't attain until you coordinate your activity with the activity of their life. Now, the best way I can illustrate this is with some of our, our business owners in our church. And if you're, a, if you're an entrepreneur, business owner, you're the, you're, you're the company, you'll understand what I'm saying. It's wonderful to start a business and it gets off the ground and you're going well and you're just excited. And there's the day you realize if I go on vacation, there's nobody to take care of the business. So not only am I spending money to go on vacation, there's no income coming in. So your vacation as a solo entrepreneur costs twice as much as everybody else. Because everybody else gets paid vacation. If you don't work, you don't get paid. And then there's the day you realize that you're not feeling well, but you don't have anybody to cover you. So... You drag yourself to do the work and the business of the day because you are the sick leave uh, policy. You're it. And so after a while, you start to recognize, man, I need to hire some people because one of the benefits I could have happening in my life is this. If I go on vacation, at least there's people still producing income. If I'm sick, at least there's people who are still able to produce income. But you need to recognize too that you also provide the same benefit to them. That, hey, if they go on vacation where they work, the business is still going. If they get ill and they get sick, there's still a business that is going. And so you start to recognize very quickly that, hey, being a solo owner has its very unique benefits, but it's also got some very serious, unique challenges. And so you start to work out this mentality that if I grow my business, it just doesn't double. It could triple and quadruple because we now are able to cover bases where they couldn't. So suddenly you start to realize the empowerment of coordinate your activity with other people. Can I tell you, that applies in so many dimensions of life. That we, we, we're, just more, we're just more productive. That God uses other... And here, let me tell you something about... Pro, I'm going I'm to take a, a little rabbit trail it's still connected to the point. Everybody good on the rabbit trail? Okay, here we go. Here's a little thing about the rabbit trail. You'll find out too that if you slow the pace down, you probably get more done. 
as opposed to running at 100% capacity by yourself. Let me illustrate this. We live in a day where we got all these motivational speakers and, you know, how to be, how to be more productive and how to get more done, blah, blah. And if you're not careful, they have you running at 100% capacity. And let me just tell you, you can't run 100% capacity every day of your life. Even God said, there's a seventh day called the day of rest. And I said, he, he didn't suggest it. He said, I command you to take it off. You need a break. Your body, you are not designed to be running at 100% capacity. That's not to say that we don't have circumstances that arise and we find ourselves going there, but you have to recognize you can't stay there. Your most productive sweet spot, you ready for this? Write this down. Your most productive sweet spot is from 70% to 85%. It's sustainable. It's predictable. And here's the thing, if you coordinate yourself with somebody else who is operating in the same mindset and the principles, you are getting way more done than the other guy who's trying to do it at 100% capacity. You're leaving him in the dust trails by operating at 70 to 85% and coordinating who you are with somebody else who's doing the same. And here's the thing, you get to go home with something in the tank. We get this mentality that somehow I'm really a great worker if I expend it all at work and I go home and I'm just spent and there's nothing left in the tank. Have you, how many of you have ever realized there's actually more work waiting for you at home? Come on, it's all right. I just need a witness. It's all good. And here's, here's the other part about that. To show, how many have ever said after being at home for a while, I need to go back to work so I can rest? <laughs> every head bowed, every eye closed. Yeah. So you're, you're acknowledging there's things that have to happen. So expending everything you got through the day is not a good thing because then you go home with nothing and there's things that need to happen, but you got nothing. And over a period of time, if that keeps happening, you're in an unsustainable pattern and there's going to be consequence so you have to know how to dial it again we've all had circumstances that arise and we've all used this phrase all hands on deck we okay I get that but you can't live like that you can't live that way we have busy seasons here at the church okay we just know that those busy seasons can't be the norm and we have to talk about intentionally dialing it back for our own sanity, okay? Because even though, even though we do what we do, we still, we still have to go home with something in the tank. My grass needs mowed, okay? Our house needs cleans. There's things that have to be done, okay? So I, we can't go home with nothing. That doesn't work. It's unsustainable. Everybody still love me? Here's your pastor. Okay. I wasn't going to say anything about all that, but it just felt like it ought to be appropriate for today. So here we go. Number three, read this. God provides help in community with others. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I'm going to give you a promise that you're not going to like. One day, you'll be in crisis and you're going to need other people's help. Sometimes it's forecastable and sometimes it's not. Sometimes you find yourself in a spot where you need help desperately. 
And that's when you go to a well. And what you find in the well is this. How much water have you put in that well? Because you can't pull water out of a well that you haven't helped cultivate. Many people find themselves in that jam. They've not helped. They've not assisted anybody. And then all of a sudden they cry for help and there's no response. Why? Because they haven't been connected. Let me tell you something about helping each other. This is critical. Do you know who we go out on a limb for? Do you know who we stop everything for? People that we have formed an emotional bond with. I want you to think of that through. I can't sacrifice for everybody. Don't have the time and the resources to pull that off. So then it becomes, well, who then will I sacrifice time and resource for? I can tell you who I go on on a limb for. People I have an emotional bond to. And that emotional bond is based on mutual connectivity and mutual communication and based on mutual relationship. And you know you're emotionally bonded to somebody when something happens to them and it crushes you. It's not, it's not that you, okay, when we hear bad things, we feel bad for people. But when you're emotionally bonded to somebody and something happens to them, you're crushed. That's your friend. You know their family. You know their life. It's the best way I know how to describe it. You feel their pain. And I hate saying that because there was a politician who twisted that. Okay? But this is putting it in the right context. Literally. And you can't shake what happens to them. You don't like move on in 20 minutes. It's a big deal to you. Listen, emotional bonding with people just doesn't happen in a few minutes. And so you, you start figuring out how to be proactive and help them. And so some of you are taking care of your parents, okay? Why are you taking, because you're emotionally invested in them, okay? Sooner or later, you need commute. My mom, she lives 1,050 miles from here. Not exactly convenient for me to be there to assist when she needs help. But my sister and her family lives there, and my oldest son and his family live there. And so they're able to do things that I'm not able to do. Thank God for family community. Does that make sense? And so it's a big deal to so. Sometimes people try to with, you go, nobody cares. Let me, I'm going to say something. I hope you receive it. Love. You can't help somebody you don't know. And so that comes back to this. It's my responsibility to have the initiative and the intentionality to put myself in community so people know who I am. Too many people come to a church and want to know if the church can trick them into community. We can't trade. Listen, we don't do that here. We're not going to suck you in and then go, surprise! <laughs> and you can never get out of the group. No, if you, listen, we want you, to, we want you to get into a group because you're emotionally invested in it. You go, I want this. That takes initiative, that takes intentionality. You don't want a preacher who starts playing tricks to get people into groups. 
That's a slippery slope, okay? Because, listen, if it works, then you'll resort to that tactic every time. And how many don't want your preacher doing that? Right. Let me tell you this. One day, the rain's going to hit your life. And you're not going to be able to manage what it is. You're going to need help. The question is, are you investing in such a way in the lives of other people so when that day hits, people just step up? Why? Because they're bonded to you. You matter to them. By the way, and you have done that for them as well. And everybody said amen? amen. All right. Number four. Let's read this. God provides resources in community with others. It says, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Looking at the context of these, uh, he's using a journey. The weather change was unforecastable. It just happened. And so they're having to pull their body heat merely to survive the night. It was supposed to be just an ordinary journey. Nobody knew the cold snap was coming that night. They may not have taken their journey if they would have known it was going to be a cold snap that night. But the point is, they, they did, listen to me, they did nothing wrong. They did it right. And suddenly the environment shifted and it overwhelmed their personal resources. Sooner or later we find ourselves... We don't know who to go to. We don't know who to call. We don't know where to turn. And I'm just telling you, God has resources inside the community that you need. Nobody, listen to me, nobody wants to admit that they need a counselor. But the day a crisis hits and they go, I need a, boy, are they glad that there's somebody they can call. When they start to go, my life, this is not turning around with a good night's sleep. This is not, I, we've had a crisis hit our family and I don't know what else to do. I don't know where else to turn. There are resources in the community that, listen, you may not need it today, but you may need it tomorrow and you may need it next. And here's the other thing. It might be somebody in your family that needs it next week. It's a helpless feeling to be in a context and you want to help and you go, I don't know what to do and I don't know how to do it. Now, who am I turning to? Who's my first phone call? Where am I? Who's, who's, who's the first person that I reach out to? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a real quick story about my wife and I. When, and let me just say, God has people who can help you just through conversation. When we started in ministry, we were youth pastors. And one of the goals that I had was I wanted to buy a house. I mean, that was just like the, the epitome of a dream. Why was that? Well, my mom and dad were pastors. They had always lived in a, home, a parsonage provided by the church. And so we never, we never owned the house. We never. And I, it was one of those things, that, you know, as you get older, you start to know, whoa, you know, it's very important to have the ability. At some point, you need to have your own roof because dad, you know, when, if you're not the pastor, you don't have any place to live, you know. And uh, my wife's parents, they were the custodians of a church. And so housing was provided for them. So there we are, two 
young 20-year-olds doing youth ministry, and we have a goal of wanting to get a house because we were just looking at both of our parents. And here's the thing. So that means we couldn't go talk to our parents because we were trying to do something they hadn't done. Right? So I called a guy in the church and just took him to breakfast and just said, I, I want to buy a house. I don't have anybody to ask, and I don't know how to do it. I, you know, how do you get, how do you get the ball rolling? You know, when you call the attorney what, or when you call the realtor, what are they going to ask me? You know, I mean, I don't, I, I'm, I don't know nothing. And he, he, he graciously said, let me write some stuff down for you. He just walk me through. And I said, well, I think, I think we're in a spot where we're going to have to do, I said, I know how to do a lot of home repair. I think we're going to have to buy a house where I have to flip the house so that we can start getting ahead a little bit. He said, okay, I can help you on that. But I said, I don't even know what I'm looking for. I don't, I don't know what a bad deal is and what a good deal is. And he said, well, let me tell you, I can't tell you the house, but he goes, what you're wanting to do is in this neighborhood and this neighborhood and this neighborhood. That's what people like us do. These are the neighborhoods we go shopping for. And those are the places that we watch. And I, and so it was about an hour break and I had a whole page of notes, man, just a whole page. And I said, can I, call you when, I, when things get cloudy and I don't know what to do. He said, absolutely. And I bet you I probably, over a course of a couple of weeks, no more than an hour. And that positioned us to find our first house, and we did it. And we were able to do this repair work and flip it and move on from that situation of housing. But my point being is this. That came through people in just regular, good old-fashioned connections. It wasn't a Bible study. It wasn't a sermon that got preached. It was a network of people because I was in community and I just knew who to call and say, I need help. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not asking you to do the work for me. I just need somebody to give me information. Can I tell you, God has answers in this body of Christ, but they can't help you if they don't know you. We are, listen, we're blessed in our housing situation, but I look all the way back and it was that one hour breakfast with that guy that changed our world. I didn't go to a seminar, I didn't take a class, it was that one hour. And I went, oh. So when my dad, he, he resigned the church, he was 57, he left the church and he relocated to Springfield, Missouri. He bought a house. I said, what made you do that? Watching you. <laughs> Realized you had a good thing going. You made some smart moves. So he said, when we moved to Springfield, he bought his house. And it, listen, now my mom, uh, my dad passed away. My mom lives in, and the house is paid off. It was the most biggest blessing that could have happened for my mom and dad to move in that direction. And I wasn't trying to set an example for my dad. I just came to the conclusion that's what was best for us long term. And lo and behold, my dad said, I watched you do it. And I decided we, you mean your mom needed to do the same thing. Situation resolved. Don't underestimate the power of resource in community. Amen? Amen. Last one. Here we go. Read it out loud. God provides strength and protection in community with others. It says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Again, someday you're going to find yourself jammed up and you're not going to know exactly what your next move needs to be. And God will bring people alongside you to help you. I'm going to use an example here of how God used that in this context of this church. When I 
relocated here and we were getting trying to get things positioned to build here we went to the and, and by the way I'm not here to badmouth community leaders I'm just telling the story as it happened this is not designed don't anybody read anything into this okay this is just the process as it unfolded we went to the Board of Zoning Appeals and we had 38 and a half acres and we were asking for permission to be able to build okay and they voted four no to one yes there is nothing that will strip your hope than you now realize that you own 38 and a half acres and they're not going to let you do anything with it. I'm telling you, that'll just suck the joy right out of you. And I remember leaving that meeting and, you know, of course, there were folks here in the church who were at that meeting. Like, man, what does that mean? I, you know, I'm like, I, I don't have answers. I don't know what that means. I, I knew that they had to have a second hearing and if they voted no on that, then we had to sit idly for a year. We were not allowed to be petitioned again for another year. And I'm just like, man, God, this is horrible. What help? Sure, the, the people, we called for prayer and fasting. And, I, you know, how many know when, when you pray and fast, the answer always comes through people? God uses people. When I left that BZA meeting, there's a guy in the church. He's here today, and I don't want to embarrass him in any way but he has some legal experience. And after that meeting, people had spoken to me and I was walking down the sidewalk by myself. He caught up with me and he said, hey, pastor, we need to go down the road here tomorrow morning. There's an attorney who specializes in this arena and he's made appearances in front of this BZA. And, and we, you, you, we, he said, I'll be there. We need to talk to him and get some things established in the next 30 days because this next vote's critical. Now listen, I believed in prayer, but I also know that God uses people to answer the prayers, right? And so we went through that process. There were some things that happened behind the scenes just in, in understanding some things. And we went back in 30 days later. And the BZA voted three yes to two abstain. Now some of you just heard that and go, huh? We got three yes. That means we, we were okay to build. It didn't change a thing on the application. Not a word, not a comma, nothing. Just same application they'd said previously no to. And we were approved to build. And you sit in that miracle today. Listen, God used a man to encourage me. There was strength and protection in the community. I know, listen to me. I know that for many of you, God's answer is sitting down the row behind you, in front of you. And the only thing that prevents that answer from getting to you is you taking the initiative, you taking the initiative and asking God to help you discover people and network you into the community of belief. You were not designed to do this as a solo act. We need each other. Everybody said amen. amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet as we wrap up the service. Would you do that? And I want you to praise him right now. Come on. Let's take 30 seconds. Let's praise him right now. Come on, lift your voice.